you really got to be prepared to take action and move quickly if opportunities come your way. And I expect 2021 to be. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back. I'm Sarah Larby and thanks for tuning in. Today's guest is Dahlia Barsoom from Streetwise Mortgages. You probably know her as my mortgage broker and somebody who's been able to help me retire from the nine to five job. I've known Dahlia for about five, six years and she's been instrumental in helping me overcome uh, the nine to five job and create the life that I want to live. And we talk about what she sees happening in 2021 from a financing point of view and what you know, we should do as real estate investors to make sure that we're able to A, be successful this coming year and also what to watch out for. We do talk about advanceable mortgages and also how to utilize that. I think that's a really cool little tool. So I have asked her about that. We talked about rates and what she thinks might happen to rates in the next coming year or two. And we talk about private money, private financing as well, and lots of things that are pertinent to right now uh, in, uh, you know, end of February and beginning of March 2021 for the rest of the year. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating and review if you do. And also check out the Burr Freedom community. It is only going to be live this year. Next year I might do it, but it'll be video modules. So if you want to get the live access, uh, you still have a little bit of time to join for 2021. Just go to sarahlarby.com. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Dahlia, welcome to the show. How are you? Excellent, Sarah. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Last time you were on my episode 100, we talked about how you've been able to help me quit the nine to five job, retire. And, uh, and, and I wanted to have you back again because a lot has changed. And I also you know, think that you've got some great insight on, uh, on just everything that we need to do from a financing standpoint. So I'm, I'm excited to have you back again. Um, how have you been? I've been well. Um, the market has been very active for real estate investors and that kept us busy. And uh, yeah, there is, uh, it's going to be a similar year in my view in 2021. So I'm excited to be here today to share some uh, things we've learned and what we're looking for in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about uh, today and, and what this year is going to look like. Can you summarize 2020, you know, just from a, a financing standpoint, like what you saw um, you know, what the opportunities might have been um, before we get into 2021, maybe just a, a quick recap of, of what happened in 2020 from a, a financial financing standpoint. Yeah, sure. So um, 2020, uh, when the pandemic hit in March, uh, what we saw that um, we saw a lot of lenders tighten up their guidelines because they were concerned about how the market will unfold. Uh, and then uh, that continued for several months. It started to ease up a little uh, towards the end of the year. But overall, uh, there's been some changes to the lending guidelines, both on the residential and the commercial side. And uh, the lenders just keeping an eye on the market to see, you know, how everyone's finances are, how the mortgage deferrals, you know, are going to uh, unfold now that they're uh, up for payment and overall, just the overall theme is that tightening of the guidelines 
is what we saw on the lending side. On the, on the activity side, from a real estate standpoint, there was a temporary slowdown uh, across the investment markets that we saw like between March and April when everybody was in fearful mode, but then the market went completely crazy. You know, investors, home buyers looking for opportunities below what we call mass market product, below 700,000 as clients started to work from anywhere. Uh, they started to shift and that fueled demand and the markets were very, very busy and they're still very busy. So these are my just high level observations uh, from 2020, but there are some key lessons that we've learned uh, that uh, we'd love to share with investors sure. based on what we've observed. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about some of those lessons. I mean, I remember before we get into the lessons though, uh, when all of this first started and the government came out with the mortgage deferrals and you said, why don't you just wait? Cause it's not as like, you know, and you were suggesting to, for people to look at options. And then I think a lot of people just went in and just took the mortgage referral and, and um, you know, and maybe we can, we can cover that at some point too, but you've also mentioned mortgage deferrals are coming due. Like, are there still many, many, no, they're, done. Are they, they're done. They're done. All right. So what are some of the insights that you you want to share with us about 2020? So on the mortgage deferral topic in particular, I would say the big, one of the bigger lessons is to think about alternatives um, and to really see beyond the immediate need. Uh, mortgage deferrals in particular were introduced, as you know, by the banks as a relief tool for clients who could not afford their mortgages due to a job loss or a financial distress during the pandemic. Um, and to tell you the truth, in the midst of fear and panic, many jumped on the mortgage deferrals uh, when they really didn't need to. Uh, so some investors were worried that their tenants are not going to pay them. Uh, some investors were worried that they're going to lose their jobs. And uh, some investors saw mortgage deferrals as an opportunity to actually save some cash instead of paying the mortgages. So everyone was talking about them. Uh, there was a rush to set them up. Uh, the lenders couldn't keep up with the demand. And in my view, while mortgage deferrals were needed for some investors uh, who had no other options, many really did not um, need them and in my view, unnecessarily took them and le really learned later in the game that uh, they could not obtain financing for a purchase or a refinance at the time they had an active mortgage deferral. And some investors um, were a little disappointed um, to, to know that the repayment cost is higher than what they anticipated. And now some investors have to pay a higher amount every month across their portfolio, which negatively impacted their cash flow. So that's a big lesson, uh, like during a pandemic or during a stressful situation, uh, you really got to pause and weigh the pros and cons and not just listen to the mass and drive your decisions by fear uh, because there were some other great tools that we utilize with many clients aside from mortgage deferrals to you know uh, enhance liquidity to um, uh, enhance their cash flow and they worked and now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors 
Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done in complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjack contractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at Blackjack Contracting Inc. And like he says, he knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have Blackjack on your side, the house always wins. I will also add that there is currently a ban as of April 4th on new permits. So he will still actively work to the law's extent and actively work with investors to get projects planned out for when the ban is lifted. So that way you're not necessarily waiting and waiting and waiting. So guys, 100%, I recommend Blackjack Contracting. I will say that finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the Burr strategy. And now back to the show. Yeah, I think if you don't mind me sharing, one of the really cool things that um, you uh, you had mentioned, and you know, we weren't in the position that we were doing any deferrals. Luckily, our tenants were paying. Like we're, you know, we, we positioned ourselves well. However, you know, one of the really intelligent things that I would have never even thought about is if you were stuck, advanceable mortgages and how they work, you could essentially get away with paying half of the mortgage payments, right? So are you, are you able to just like briefly talk about that? Because I think that's really cool. And if something like this were to happen again, probably it will. Um, if you can set up an advanceable mortgage, this is a really cool trick that, uh, that you know, you, you showed me uh, and you taught me. And so if, if you can share that, that would be really cool. That's sure. And a lot of our investors actually used this trick when they were, when their tenants had delayed payments. And here is how it works. So if you have an advanceable mortgage, what that really means is, uh, that mortgage comes with a secured line of credit. And as you pay down that principal, you get that principal back on the line of credit. So let's say you have a mortgage for $350,000 and you initially had a line of credit for 20,000. As you make your monthly payments, that 20,000 will increase. Now that's a feature of an advanceable mortgage. But the key feature that really helped investors during the pandemic is the following. Let's say the payment on that $350,000 was $1,600 a month. You really had to make a $1,600 principal and interest payment. What we suggested to some investors is instead of you, uh, if you are not collecting rents and, and instead of you coming up with that $1,600 out of your own pocket, what you would do is you would take the $1,600 from your line of credit, make the payment on the mortgage, okay? And now you have 
a $1,600 balance on your line of credit. Now for you to make a payment in 30 days on that 1,600, if I run the math at prime plus half, okay, so you take the 1,600, multiply it by prime is 2.45 plus half is 2.95, uh, divided by 100, divided by 12, your interest only payment on this $1,600 would have been $3.9, so $4 a month. So all of a sudden, you have a tool that allowed you to keep your mortgage up to date. You didn't have to come up with cash out of your own pocket. And to stay afloat and in good standing, it would have cost you $4 a month. No brainer. I mean, this is, this is to me, it's genius because why, why go and... and tarnish some of your credit and inability to keep scaling, you know, if you can do something like that, where in this case, $4 a month is nothing. So I, I think that's, that's genius. I mean, I'm sure you've got lots of other, other strategies and, and depending on if somebody can qualify for, for, you know, which lenders and all that stuff, but um, any other insights or any other, or any other things that you've learned in 2020 that you think uh, would be worthwhile sharing? Yes. The other lesson is really to always be prepared. So in my view, it's human nature sometimes to focus on the urgent and pressing matters and not really on the important matters. Investors who were reactive during the pandemic in planning their financing and uh, ended up losing their, their jobs, unfortunately ran into challenges and a very stressful situation as they did not have a cushion to fall back onto. Um, but investors were proactive um, over the years in reviewing their portfolios on an annual or semi-annual basis and lining up line of credits or reserves or making sure that they visit their financing to enhance their cash flow. They, these investors were in the best position to pivot from you know, a standpoint of uh, being able to jump on opportunities as as they presented themselves and also not having the stress if, if they lost their job or had a temporary layoff, they didn't really have to stress about it. So despite the busyness of life, it is really important uh, for all of us to make time to plan financing and finances. Uh, some of the key questions that I always ask investors are, do you have sufficient reserves given the number of properties that you own? Or are you stretching it so thin month to month and if your property goes vacant for two months or if your tenant doesn't pay, you're gonna be struggling? And are you positioned as an investor to weather another storm if, if another one passes by? Are you? And then finally, as always for us investors, you really got to be prepared to take action and move quickly if opportunities come your way. And I expect 2021 to be another busy year and the market is already crazy competitive. So you really got to have all of your plans ironed out and lined up up front so you can take action um, confidently. Yeah, absolutely. I will say in the seven years that I've been buying real estate, it's the hardest right now. There's no inventory, multiple offers on everything. Likely the winners are going to overpay and remove most of the conditions, if not all. So, you know, again, it's just, it's just a risk and you've got to be able to, to have an exit. And most of the investors out there, I mean, maybe they're finding something, but I'll tell you on MLS right now, it is almost near impossible. The market might, like, hopefully the market will shift and hopefully the market will, will soften up. But let's talk about 2021 and, uh, and what you think some of the, the best practices might be that we can, we can start in terms of planning or, or what, you're, what you're seeing might, might come down the, the, the pipes down the road. 
Yeah, so uh, in terms of uh, getting ready for 2021, as I mentioned earlier, planning is really, really key. But I would also put some weight on um, flexibility in general when you're planning your portfolio or when you're considering uh, financing just as a general theme, not really specific to 2021. Because another lesson we learned in 2020 when people needed money, um, some clients that came our way realized that they didn't read the fine print with their mortgages and assumed that they can take money and they can refinance, which wasn't the case. So always put, uh, always read the fine print as you sign up for mortgage products because some products are fully closed and also put flexibility, give flexibility more weight. And by, by flexibility, I mean take variable rate mortgages versus fixed rate mortgages because as an investor, you're always looking to recycle equity and you know your portfolio is always moving. So this is just a general theme that I would say everyone should consider in 2021. But here's what's happening. The rate environment is extremely low, both for fixed and variable rate products. And um, on the variable rate front, uh, the Bank of Canada mentioned in their last meeting that they will keep prime intact until the economy improves. So this tells us that variable rates are going to stay low and stable for at least until 2023. So my recommendation for investors who are looking to uh, set up equity, sorry, to purchase properties is to take on variable rates, but also uh, there is an opportunity for investors to switch from fixed to variable rates to enhance their cash flow and to take out equity in a cheap way in 2021. So planning is key, flexibility is key, um, looking at saving opportunities, and of course, um, you know, making sure that you've got your reserves based on what we've seen in 2020 and knowing that there is a potential second and third and I don't know how many waves now. <laughs> but yes, th these are the things that I would look at in this coming year. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom, and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing, the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us. And the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are going to be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are going to be able to help us maneuver through all of this. They're property investors themselves, so they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario, and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also going to be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition, and also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are going to be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are going to be very individual for all of us. And they're going to help navigate three key parts, financial stability, 
financial agility, and opportunity and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're going to have different plans, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you? Should you not? Why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dahlia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is interesting, right? Because sometimes I, I feel like I'm in a bubble, you know, talking to, to some other investors and and we don't see the, the some, some people that are really, really struggling, right? But you, you probably have, I mean, I know you work with a lot of investors, but you probably have some some regular homeowners and, and you're, you're seeing more of the struggles, I think, of what's happening in just different people with different positions that Absolutely. lost their jobs, you know, like... Can you can you without can you summarize a little bit of of what that's looking like as of of January twenty twenty one? Are people right now able to hang on? You know, I mean, if you look at your the sum of all your clients, are they looking at potentially having to reposition credit to to be able to keep going? Like, what what are you seeing right there that you can maybe just give us some some bit of insider information? So we, we deal primarily with real estate investors and business owners. That's really our primary clientele. And I can tell you that with business owners, unfortunately, there are individuals uh, that have had to shut down their businesses because of a situation and have gone bankrupt or have had to take on really additional unnecessary debt uh, because their businesses are not doing well. So is that the majority of clients? Absolutely not. But yes, we're coming across stories, especially in the entertainment and in the restaurant business, we're seeing some of those. Um, so we, we, of course, try to help clients balance out things in terms of saying, okay, how much do we need? How much debt are we going to take? Like, we always have to look at the big picture and, and try to balance out the need to take on huge debt versus staying afloat. So it's a, it's it's tricky, but uh, yeah, there are definitely some struggles, unfortunately, within the business owner segment, small business segment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, restaurants, you know, there's some stats coming out that, you know, they're looking at 60% of them not, not reopening uh, mm -hmm. after the second wave, which is quite unfortunate, but it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things, you know, it's a catch 22. Do you reopen? Do you not reopen? When do you reopen? And, and I know, you know, we all have our, our different opinions on, on that kind of stuff, which we'll, we'll leave to the side, you know, as investors, you know, that are, that are actively looking at buying that, that still maybe have uh, their, their income, you know, are there things that they might want to do now in order to plan for those next purchases? 
Well, investors who uh, are still in a good situation, as, as mentioned, should always be proactive about lining up capital to grow. And right now is a great time to do so because rates are cheap, really, really cheap. So be proactive about lining up capital to grow, be proactive about planning. If you're looking to acquire X number of properties this year, uh, it's important to sit down and, and go over how financing is gonna look like. Where's the money gonna come from? Who's gonna go in title? What interest rates are we expecting for these purchases? So that's a big component of being successful this year. Because if, if someone has found an offer, they really, really need to move so fast and most of the time right now go firm so there is no time for planning it's like rush 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 so do all of that legwork up front um so line up capital plan things in in a in a in a very detailed manner so that you can hit the ground running this year that's what i would say for investors who are looking to grow yeah and, and you mentioned you know obviously we have to move quick in this market and potentially we might have to remove conditions now obviously you guys have to, listening to this, please don't do anything you're not comfortable with and dealing with the consequences. But one of the questions I want to ask you, Dahlia, is, you know, there might be some people that are saying, I don't want to be fighting for 20 offers at this point in time. I'd rather just lend out my money and so that it's not just sitting there. You know, you have some of those options. Can you share, uh, you know, a little bit about what you guys do if somebody does have maybe some capital that they, they want to invest privately instead of, of going into uh, a brick and mortar property? Yes, there is a healthy market for private money for uh, clients who are looking to lend and get a healthy return uh, on their money in a passive way. There is quite a bit of demand for private money, both uh, for borrowers who are, especially real estate investors who are buying commercial or residential properties that sometimes require renovation. So absolutely, you know, private first mortgage as an as a as a lender you can earn anywhere from i would say uh seven to nine percent plus another two percent bonus and then on a second mortgage you can earn 12 13 percent plus another two percent bonus um it's a nice way to grow your capital while you're waiting or while you're shopping and these are typically short-term loans you know we've done private mortgages for three months and we've done private mortgages for six or one year. So ab absolutely. It's a good way to work your capital while you're waiting. It just gives you other, other options as well. And, and to borrow, to borrow. So you can loan and you can borrow. I mean, you have access to some, some uh, private lenders as well, which, you know, again, they're, you know, they're not for every single situation, but some shorter in and exit, you know, quicker exit where you know where, how and when you're exiting. I think it's a great resource to have a mortgage broker and, and company like Streetwise, Dahlia, that, that can, can offer that service. Um, because sometimes it's just a matter of, I mean, we were looking at a property, again, there's 14 offers, we didn't get it, but there was no ceiling in the kitchen and, and a, a Scotia or a typical lender would have red flagged that and not loaned out. So we might've had to borrow, uh, you know, for a month or two, some short-term funds to fix it and, uh, and then go at that point in time to Scotia once, once the rentals were done or yeah. whatever other lender, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a nice tool to pick up properties also in a quick way and then later on refinance them. So we do that with several investors, as long as we know what your exit strategy is going to look like and we're comfortable that you'll be able to refinance it, then yeah, you can use private money uh, to, to really run very quickly and pick up properties that way. 
Absolutely. Just, just curious, like what percentage, you know, of your business is, is a lenders versus B lenders versus private, private money. Okay. So remember we are, our objective for real estate investors is to stretch portfolios as far as we can with the lenders that give you the best cost of money. Right? So we don't jump on private money, uh, as a first tool, um, ever. We leave private money as a last resource. So, I would say out of our portfolio, um, about 80% is A, 10% is B, and 10% is private. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, then that's, that's probably what I was expecting you to, to say, because I, I think, you know, one of the things it's not, you know, if you can get access to money, it's, it's what the money is going to cost you. Uh, and, and especially as you're going to hold on to these properties, uh, the, the lenders with the most flexibility and, uh, and cheapest options are going to be your best long, long-term option. Have yeah. you noticed, for example, you know, in 2020, 2021, like, have there been any changes to some of your, you know, the top lenders that we might think of, have they re- tightened anything that we should be aware of? Have any of the rules changed for, for any of them? Well, um, Scotiabank early on uh, put uh, the brakes on using line of credits to purchase rental properties. And uh, that took effect and was in effect until about October, I believe, before they removed that restriction. So that was the key change really for a lot of investors uh, during COVID, the ability to use the line of credits that they've set up to buy rental properties. some lenders have become a little bit more particular about investors who are considered full-time investors who are relying heavily on rental income and they were cutting down how much money they give these investors but i think that concern has eased up we're seeing them now lend again um but a little they're still cautious but not as restrictive as they were in 2020 for someone who's got just rental income as their primary source of income. So the, the good news is we're seeing things ease up, but they're not back to where they were fully before the pandemic. Commercial, commercial in particular is a little bit more, even I would say more than residential. They're restrictive more than residential because commercial, commercial lenders have to know, like they wanna know who is the tenant in the commercial unit. And if you have a restaurant or if you have a business that's been struggling during COVID, you, you know, the commercial lenders are not jumping on these units anymore. Absolutely. That's well said. You know, there, there's so many questions that we can go through. I do have a few um, from listeners or people that will email me that I thought I would just ask you for fun. And then you can, you can give me, you know, your, your best answer. This is not the lightning round per se, but you know, there's always questions around financing and there's so many things, but um, are you cool if I ask you just a series of a few questions? Yeah, sure. All right. So, so here's one over here. Um, so, so Joel was asking if they buy a pre-construction and get approved at time of approval, when it closes, if they can't assign the contract and they've lost their job, what are their options? Okay. So new construction is an interesting one. Um, here's what I can tell you about new construction and what I always advise investors to do. There are lenders on the street that will do a f- what's called a firm approval on new construction. What a firm approval means is 
if you bought something today and it's going to close in three years from now, as a bank, I'm going to give you a firm approval that says you're good to go. Here are the mortgage terms. So if you lose your job at the, at the time this building comes up or the unit is built, or if the lending rules change, or if you've bought properties and your debt ratios look different, that approval will still hold. That's what a firm approval is. Not every lender does it this way, but there are very few lenders on the street that do this. And this is where we actually advise clients to go to get that peace of mind uh, around financing for new construction condos. Let's say you haven't done that and now you've lost your job. Your only option um, is gonna be to go with a private loan. And um, there are private lenders on the street. I know the word private scares a lot of investors, but I can tell you that there is private money um, that is that starts at four point something percent. And yes, there are lender fees and broker fees, but you can still close your deal and it, you're not going to be paying 10 percent interest. And we then have to say, OK, we're going to close the deal with private money. What's our exit strategy? And we have to see what are the alternatives to pay back this money in a year or two years from now when the situation changes. So that is your absolute worst case scenario, private money. But if there is enough, if there is a plan, if, if we're doing planning, that's what we always advise clients to do. Let's go to the lenders who will give you a firm approval. This way you don't have to deal with any issues at the time of closing. Okay. That's a great answer. Actually, I didn't know that either. So thank you. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the wealth of information. All right. Here's a question from Maria. Maria was asking, she's built a portfolio and she is wondering when she leaves her nine to five job, could she still qualify based on the income from the rents from the tenants? Like which, you know, which lenders and do lenders look at that in order to help her qualify for more? So this is the point that I mentioned earlier. Uh, we've always used rental income uh, to qualify investors, but some lenders are a little bit particular given the environment we're in to rely fully on that rental income. So I would say for a full-time investor who's got a rental portfolio, a, a, a path of less resistance is for us to go with commercial financing. And a lot of investors don't know that you can actually finance a duplex and a triplex and a fourplex under the commercial rules. They're, they're, these are residential properties, but under the commercial rules, the lenders specifically look for the rental income of these properties. Where on the residential side, the lender is looking for your personal income. So if they see that you're heavily reliant on rental income, this is when they get concerned. But on the commercial side, it's a different view of the universe. And this is where we would say, okay, maybe we should take that portfolio commercial, um, you know, to get it financed because residential, they're being a little bit restrictive. So there are options is what I'm trying to say, but it's a matter of, you know, understanding how your portfolio looks like and what the numbers would be under a commercial setup. Okay. All right. That, that's, that's great. Um, great information. Question from Michael. What is a blanket mortgage? Oh, blanket mortgage. Is it a soft blanket or not, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> I like blankets, but I don't like blanket mortgages, guys. Okay. So blanket mortgages in my view, is a last, 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 listen to the words, three lasts resorts, resort to actually go to. Let's say you have three properties, okay? And you want to get some money out and someone is saying, let's put a blanket mortgage on these properties to get you money out. A blanket mortgage means that 
you're going to have one mortgage that is secured against these three properties simultaneously. Okay, this is why it's called the blanket because it covers all assets at the same time. The problem with blanket mortgage is it, it limits your flexibility significantly because now these three properties are looked at as if they're one. And if you want to sell something or refinance something, you cannot maneuver easily without impacting the other two. And you have, there is, the process is much more difficult to do so. So as much as you may be attracted to a blanket mortgage because your rate is better, remember what I mentioned earlier, flexibility, flexibility. It's better to take, you know, a more expensive mortgage that gives you flexibility than a cheaper mortgage that ties all of your assets under a blanket. Yeah. Unless you absolutely, absolutely have to, and there is no other way. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Last question from Jenny. My dad is 70 and he was looking into the reverse mortgages. Is this a good idea? Yes or no? And why? To tell you the truth, I have not done any reverse mortgages. So I don't want to give you the wrong information and say, you know, they're good or bad, but I am happy to dig deeper into that particular topic and give you a proper answer. As you know, we do a lot of mortgages for investors. So it's very, very rare that we have to set up a reverse mortgage for an investor. So uh, if you want to email me, I'm happy to dig deeper and get you an answer on that front for, for that particular question. All right. No, no worries. We'll, we'll add one more question then. Okay. Yes. So um, one more last question from uh, Susan. How do I get past six properties? That's like the number one question, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so here's what I tell investors. The what's called the financing wall is a relative term that basically means that you have maxed out with a certain group of lenders. It doesn't mean that you've maxed out with everyone. Majority of the banks will stop at five, but there are A lenders that will go to 10. And then there are A lenders that will go to 12. And then there are lenders that will lend you money at a higher cost of capital, meaning they'll charge you more interest and they are happy to take you to 20. So again, that's how you get beyond the six. Where are your deals financed? And it's about planning where the next round is going to go. And it may mean that you may have to pay a little bit higher interest to get to your seventh and eighth and 10th. I don't know. But ideally, we don't want to do that. We want to squeeze more out of that second group that I mentioned that would take you to the 10 or the 12th. So six is a limit with a certain group, but not with, all, not with everyone. Okay. All right. That's excellent information. Dahlia, I mean, I could keep asking you questions forever. We're going to go into our lightning round and then we're going to wrap it up. And I will say guys, you know, Dahlia, I would not be here today. I would not, I would still be working a nine to five job. I would still be trading my time every single day, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, if it wasn't for you. So if you haven't talked to Dahlia and her team, you know, please go ahead. It's free to do your, your, you know, an, an initial conversation. And I'll tell you, you know, you helped me retire and, and I owe you, you know, a lot for that. So thank you for giving me my freedom. Um, so we're going to do that. Sarah, you don't owe me. You are the one who did it. So <laughs> I just supported you. That's all. Cool. All right. So we're going to play it lightning round. I know you've done this before. So um, first answer that comes to mind, you're ready to play. Okay. Yes. Let's go. 
This week's lightning round is brought to you by Megan Chomutz. If you're looking for a great financial advisor to add to your team who actually understands and incorporates real estate as part of your overall plan and gets your money working for you, you can reach out to Megan at meganchomutz.com forward slash Sarah. And also she's offered for my podcast listeners to provide you with a free customized individualized 90 day game plan for getting ahead. So to get that, go to meganchomutz.com forward slash Sarah. That's M-E-G-H-A-N C-H-O-M-U-T dot com forward slash Sarah. And now back to the show. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite book? And you know what? I used to ask real estate, but you've been on the show so much. Just feel free to share a, you know, a, a business book. If you have a business book or a self, you know, development book, if you got an idea of that. Yes. I'm reading two books right now and I'm loving them. One is called the Buddha and the Badass. And the other one, it's a business book. The Buddha and the Badass is a business book. And the other one is called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And it's more about uh, consciousness. So I, these are the two that I'm reading and they're fantastic. Awesome. Number two, my, my question for that is usually about podcasts, but is there anything that you like to listen to? It could be anything in general. Oh yeah. I love to listen to Latin music. Nice. I listen to Latin music, you know, throughout the day. All right. Very cool. Question number three, what do you do for fun? And actually I'm going to switch it up because you've been on the show so much. What are you doing for fun in today's crazy lockdown times? Okay. So (laughs) basically we have to get creative. Actually, no, it's, I'm really keeping it simple. I take long walks with my dog in nature every day for an hour. So that's beautiful and it grounds me and helps me relax. Uh, Also, I'm working out more than I used to. So every day there is a workout and that's really um, fun for me. And then some extra activities with the kids. I'm getting the kids to work out now. And, you know, we're, we're getting creative about what we do throughout the day to connect as a family. So these are the little things that I'm doing, but they, you know, they're working. All right. Very cool. Sounds good. And number four, and I'm going to switch it up again because you've been on this podcast so many times. I usually ask if you lost all your money and your assets, what, how did you start again? But let's just say, for example, somebody in today's market had to declare bankruptcy or lost their assets. How would you recommend that they start again? Yeah. So basically money, in my view, money sources are unlimited. Okay. I just had a consultation with an investor right before this call. And we talked about the different ways they can get to like pick up properties with private money with the least down payment in the deal to renovate the properties and to, you know, eventually refinance them commercial or residential. So I would either go down a private money route. And if you have experience as an investor or if you know what you're doing with the properties there are a lot of people that are looking to deploy their capital in real estate and you can still you can raise capital for your down payment you can raise capital to renovate that's one way the other way is to do joint ventures and you can always raise capital with joint venture partners there is unlimited unlimited number of clients who have no time no time to learn real estate or to look for properties and they want to work with a trusted partner to grow their wealth um so absolutely there are sources of capital to restart and rebuild it's it's very feasible it's not this is not theory we see it every day we do it every day so you just need to to have the confidence that you can rebuild 
and action and intentions and then things fall in place. All right. Awesome. And last question of the lightning round. If somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started in your opinion, and of course, every situation differs, what are some of the things you might recommend they do? So when you have $50,000, my first thought is how can we grow that capital so that we can do more with that capital and growing the capital is a function of how comfortable you are with risk, right? So you can grow your capital through private money and make a 14% return and the risk is manageable. Or, or you can take this capital and lend it to someone in a promissory note and earn 23% return or 25% return, but then your money's not secured. Or you can take this money and go to a smaller market, buy a, you know, find a creative way to set up your deal and keep this money to renovate. And But are you comfortable with renovation? So the, the key idea is how can we grow this capital so that we can do more with it? But which path we take is a function of the, the risk comfort level for, for, for the individual. Well said. Thank you for playing the lightning round. Dahlia, where can people reach out and find out more? Uh, well, we, myself and my team are reachable at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Or if you were to go to our website at streetwisemortgages.com, there is a contact form on the front page. Um, we, uh, you can fill it and it, I will see it. My team will see it. So very easy. Very cool. Awesome. Dahlia, thank you so much for being on the show. It's a pleasure having you on and uh, you are probably my most returned guest. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Sarah. I love uh, your podcast and the knowledge you share. And uh, um, I enjoyed our time together today. Thanks very much. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.